This is episode 120 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are A Prepper's Friend, Ways to Use Plastic Buckets, How to Use an Analog Watch as a Compass, and The Cost of Violence. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, if you notice, maybe if you listen carefully uh, at the very beginning, I changed out one of the words on the intro from uh, from uh, Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information, to a daily cur- curation of preparedness information. I kind of learned the difference. I, I really, I don't know, I was reading an article and uh, never really thought about it. An aggregator kind of just throws uh, everything into one big mix, right? And so uh, maybe if, if I had all the all the the websites that I look at and uh, link to, if I just you know had them going in one big feed uh, on the on the website, that would be a, uh, an aggregator, right? But a curation would be where you look at all those and you pick out the very best ones. And that's what we do on Prepper website. We we look at we scan hundreds of articles every night, and you know place the the very best ones. You know eight to twelve every night uh, on on the website. And so that's why I'm going to go ahead and change it. But what's funny is it's just uh, the difference in changing that word and uh, getting hung up and tongue tied. Uh, starting this, uh, starting the intro out, man. Uh, uh, I swear I did it like two or three times. I'm like, come on. Uh, so hopefully I get used to that one. But anyway, um, I'll start uh, calling Prepper website a, a daily curation, not a an aggregator. All right, uh, we have a couple of articles, uh, three articles for you I think are, are good. The first article actually comes from my website, my personal website. Uh, hopefully if you if you hit Prepper website, I think you, you would have hit it. It had a lot of traffic on it. It's called A Prepper's Friend, Ways to Use Plastic Buckets. And I didn't, I didn't write this one. It was actually a guest post. And uh, I'm pretty picky about my guest posts. Now, I've talked about that before. I get three or four offers for guest posts every single week, and it's like I turn down so many. And uh, But anyway, so this one came came across, and I went and I accepted it, and I did add a few like links to it and different things like that. Uh, I actually added um, like a, a video just to kind of make it interesting, and uh, like I said, some links to it. But I think it's it's worth it, and uh, it'll talk about four ways that you can use plastic buckets and give you a little bit of information. If you're used, uh, if you're new to uh, preparedness, and uh, you might not have heard this information as far as plastic buckets go and which are the right ones to use. So let's go ahead and start this one uh, from edthematters.com. Most modern packaging is made of cardboard or lightweight plastic that works well for reducing shipping costs but won't hold up for the long-term storage. Specialized storage vessels that are sturdy enough to protect their contents against moisture, oxidation, or animals are harder to find, but you may already have one type of versatile storage container in your garage or basement. Plastic buckets for preppers is a great find. Plastic buckets arrive in our homes holding paint, cleaning solutions, and food, but with a little knowledge and planning, they can be used for so much more than just storing their original contents. A quality plastic bucket is impact resistant, temperature resistant, and with the right lid can create an airtight seal. 
If you want to find quality buckets without having to clean the original contents out of them, check out Affordable American Containers. Read more to find the perfect bucket for your needs and learn four unexpected ways you can use plastic buckets to protect your belongings and prepare for emergencies. If you're planning a bucket storage project that doesn't involve food or potable water, any sturdy plastic bucket will work. It's helpful to know, however, when your bucket is food grade, buckets that are not food safe can leach chemicals into the item they store, so should only be used for non-edible items. Food grade plastic can be identified by the recycling number on the bottom. Any item labeled with a 1, 2, 4, or 5 is technically food grade, but you also need to check to see if they are food safe. Food grade plastics are made of high density polyethylene that is very stable and won't degrade in sunlight or extreme temperatures, but they may have been treated with a dye that com compromises the bucket and could leach into your stored food or water or it may have been originally used for materials like cleaning liquid that compromise food safety. In addition to the numbers, look for the label food safe or an image of a fork and cup, microwave lines, or a freezer safe snowflake. Any one or combination of those indicators means a bucket should be safe to store edible materials. Four, wa four versatile ways to use plastic buckets. First one is emergency water filter. In an emergency situation, access to clean water can be the difference between life and death. With four five-gallon food-safe buckets and some easy-to-obtain supplies, you can build a large water filter to provide clean drinking water for your family without electricity or chemicals. For this project, each bucket works as a filter chamber with each chamber trapping smaller sets of impurities as gravity pulls water into the bottom bucket. The bottom bucket will catch and store water that is safe to drink even when you don't have access to power to boil water. To build the filter system, drill 1 inch holes in the bottom of, of 3 buckets and 2 inch holes throughout the lid. Cover the holes with a few layers of window screening and glue. Glue it in place with a strong epoxy, then glue a ceramic wall, wall tile over the screening shiny side up. Pre Prepare each bucket with a different grade of filter material. The top is gravel, the middle is sand, and the bottom or last filter bucket is filled with activated charcoal. Stack your buckets in a tower that the last empty I'm sorry, stack your buckets in a tower with the last empty bucket on the bottom to catch the clean water. When you pour water in on the top, it will slowly filter through the increasingly smaller gradients, getting progressively cleaner. The first few rounds may come out cloudy as some loose dirt from your gravel drains away. Soon enough, the water will appear in the bottom bucket clean enough to drink. Um, okay, so I want to say a couple of things here. Um, the, the way that he describes making the water filter here, I mean, that's pretty much a, a general way of doing it. So, you know, gravel, sand, activated charcoal. I'm just not 100% sure on using three buckets. Um, definitely, if you use three buckets, it will uh, that water filter will will last a long time, right? Because you've got a lot of material and it's filtering through a lot of material. The problem is, is I think um, that as you have that material on the, the or the bottom bucket that's catching the water, right, the clean water, um, I think it's just going to be top heavy, and you would have to be very very careful not to push it over, and then you know everything comes comes flowing out and what you want to do in a water filter like this is you want to keep it pretty stable because you want 
the material is to be clean and settled and you don't want them all falling out having to redo everything and all that kind of stuff so um, the video um, the, the the idea is good I just what I said I'm not sure if it's going to be too top heavy and it would fall over easily I mean I, if you had a stand or something like that I think that would you know that would be fine um, the video that's in here they do the same uh, same concept of what he's talking about here in the article but um, they do it in two buckets so one bucket uh, has all the the material all the the you know the sand and the gravel and the activated charcoal and then the bottom one picks it up and what this the video does he does a good job of explaining he kind of walks it through he uh, explains that he he actually washes all the gravel before he puts it in there he washes all the uh, the sand uh, before he puts it in there uh, just kind of rinses it out to make sure that you know it's already you, you kind of get rid of that uh, all that dirt right off the bat so uh, you're starting with a cleaner water filter when you do that so uh, I think that's a, a good idea the other thing that I was thinking of is a whole five gallon bucket of activated charcoal can be pretty expensive when you start adding that up I mean gravel and sand that's easy you can go to Home Depot and get that uh, but when you start when you start talking about the activated charcoal, uh, you know you you'll start you know ranking, racking up some bucks there. Um, and then I also have a link to an article uh, that's entitled "The Hillbilly Water Filter," and so it's uh, kind of walks you through how to make a a water filter out in the wild uh, with things that you find. So a uh, good concept there, and uh, you know you'll have to think about if using the you know the four buckets would work. Um, I think, it, like I said, it will last a lot longer than just one bucket of with all the materials. But you'll have to be careful not to not to you know drop it and spill it over. All right, uh, continuing on, the next one is a bucket garden. Many people use pots to grow plants, but buckets take containers planting to a new level. Bucket gardens allow you to grow food even if you don't have a large yard. And unlike pots, big buckets are ideal for vegetables with large root systems. Keeping plants isolated in buckets even decreases pest problems and lets you control crop watering more precisely to maximize your garden's yield. Using buckets to grow vegetables gives you more options to save money on food and is a great way to prepare for food, for food storage. Bucket planting means your garden is portable too. You can bring plants in during harmful storms or shift them to just the right sunny spot. Start your bucket garden with 5 gallon food grade buckets. You don't want any nasty chemicals leaching out of the plastic into the veggies you will eventually be eating. Make small drainage holes in the bottom using a drill or a hammer and nail. Layer the bottom with small rocks or gravel to help prevent root rot and top off with organic planting soil mixed with homemade compost. Water whenever the soil feels dry or your plants look droopy. Some plants grow better in buckets than others. Try these bucket loving plants for a vibrant portable garden. Cherry tomatoes, small melons, cucumbers, eggplants, peppers, and bush beans. Also have a link to the gardening link bomb there. Uh, I do like his idea of being able to move your garden around in buckets with a five gallon bucket you can grow something as you know as deep uh, with a root system as uh, for instance uh, tomatoes and stuff so you can do that um, I also like um, and I've linked to his videos before and I, I don't know his de desert survival I think maybe something like that um, he he plays around with all kinds of different uh, aquaponics hydroponics things uh, and um, he finds uh, you know little things that he does like with uh, self-watering, 
And so he has a lot of videos where he has done uh, rain gutters. And then you used the little pots. Um, man, I don't know what they're called, but the pots that you use for aquaponics and and things you can buy them like at a you know uh, a fish store or whatever store aquarium store. And uh, you put them on the in the bottom, and they sit right in that um, right in that rain gutter. And so you attach a water hose to that rain gutter. And so whenever the water hose uh, or the water level falls, it automatically fills up. And so the, the buckets, the five-gallon buckets that are there, are wicking up the water from the, from the, uh, the rain gutters. And uh, it's pretty much, you know, you don't have to self-watering. You don't have to mess with it. So, you know, there's a lot of self-watering pots out there. And you can make your own. But this one is uh, really simple because, you know, you can make one, you know, have a rain gutter that's very, very long and put all kinds of buckets out there and uh, use that as well. If I find his, uh, his YouTube video, I'll link to that in the, uh, in the show notes. All right. Um, third one is uh, preserve sensitive materials. So storing delicate items in plastic buckets is ideal because food grade plastics are designed to protect against the same conditions that damage paper. If you use a well-fitted lid to create an airtight seal and include oxygen absorber packets in your buckets, you can cheaply and effectively keep light, moisture, and oxygen from damaging items like photos, electronics, newspapers, and even receipts. Prepare your items for storage by cleaning them. Wipe electronics with a microfiber cloth and try to handle photos with gloves or tweezers. Many photo albums or storage sleeves are made of plastic that degrades in heat or with age, releasing harmful chemicals that can damage your items. Take any paper or photographs out of storage cases and remove any ordinary plastic, tape, paper clips, or cardboard covering or frames unless are labeled acid-free. Before you seal your items in the storage bucket, you need to include a desiccant to maintain a stable environment inside the seal by absorbing moisture. You can buy desiccants online or collect them from food and goods like medicine or leather shoes. These tiny packets absorb moisture that normally damages paper or electronics over time. The amount of moisture in the container will determine the amount of desiccants or silica gel packs you need. So look at the, at the size of the buckets uh, and how, how much empty space you'll leave inside. So that's a, that's a thought there to, to use it that way to save uh, things that you don't want to get destroyed. All right, um, last one, bucket shower or sprinkler. Buckets are great at holding water. Exploit this natural strength and upgrade your bucket into a water dispenser for places where you can't use plumbing. Modify any clean 5-gallon bucket by drilling a 2-inch hole on the side near the bottom. Use a hose bib attachment that screws through the hole to create a multi-purpose spigot on your bucket. Need to bathe outside or without power? Just attach a standard shower head to the hose bib. Hang the bucket from the ceiling or a high tree branch using a rope and two pulleys to offset the weight of the water. Simply fill your bucket with a mix of cold and boiling water. Then hoist the bucket and turn on the spigot for a warm, gravity-powered shower. You can also create a sprinkler system instead of a shower head. Attach a hose. I'm sorry, I, I ran that one on. You can also create a sprinkler system. Instead of a shower head, attach a hose. When your bucket is raised and the spigot is open, gravity will pull water from the bucket and allow you to use the hose. So that's a that's an idea there. Um, the only thing you'll be want to watch out is after a while of doing that, putting uh, 
five gallons of water in there and then hoisting it up. You know, we just want to make sure that when you're standing under, you wouldn't be standing under under the bucket in case the handle failed for whatever reason. Uh, you don't want five gallons of water falling on top of your head or on your toe or anything like that. But anyway, uh, yeah, that's uh, it's good. And we have used something similar to that when we were first going out to the country uh, at my dad's place. With just a modest plastic bucket, you can save money and decrease your need for electricity. In the case of an emergency, having plenty of food grade and food safe plastic buckets can provide you with clean water, homegrown food, safe storage, and even a morning shower. So, um, like I said, lots of links and uh, then there's a video here that you can go check out. Uh, just watching that video I think would be worth it. Um, you know, Home Depot and Lowe's, I, I have used the Home Depot buckets for my own food storage. They have a nice gasket uh, in the lid, and um, when, when you, once you hammer it down, I mean, you, you're going to work to get it off. So it's a nice, tight lid. Uh, you know, I use Mylar bags. I just don't put it straight into the bucket. I use Mylar bags as an extra pro protection, but you can easily get buckets there. Um, they have gone up in the price. Um, I noticed that uh, just a couple of months ago. Uh, I guess people are a lot of people are using them, but uh, you know it, it's good to have buckets around. I mean, I have four or five of them just here. I remember when we were moving some dirt and I was building a um, a garden, an extra some some garden beds. Um, the wheelbarrow broke, but I had about six. Um, I had six buckets, and you think about it. So you have a wheelbarrow, and you maybe one person's shoveling, another person's moving the dirt. Uh, so that's a two-man job. But I had about six buckets, and so um, two, you know, so we had three people. Actually, I think I might have had more buckets, but we had about three or four people moving buckets. So they they would fill up, then we would hoist uh, hoist them out there, to, you know, to the garden beds you know, dump the dirt, come back. And so we had people scooping. And so we had a big operation going on. And we moved a lot of dirt really, really quickly. So anyway, I think uh, just having the food buckets around or, or, or no, I'm sorry, just the plastic buckets around are uh, good. You, you want you want to have some of those just, uh, just to have around. All right, so uh, that's uh, over at Ed That Matters. Our next article is uh, comes to us from theprepperjournal.com. It's how to use an analog watch as a compass. And and as we, um, you know, we had that article uh, about finding your way home yesterday and uh, read that on the podcast. And I thought this was kind of fitting and in going into that uh, because you can use your, your watch as a compass. And so I'm going to uh, relate that information to you here. And, and, uh, but you might want to go to the Prepper Journal, kind of reread it and, and uh, uh, maybe take a, some notes and kind of practice as you're, as you're reading it, kind of practice it and see if uh, you can get it and kind of get it into your long-term memory. So it's, uh, it's a skill that you will have. So let's get started on this one. A compass is an essential ori orienting tool that helps us understand the position we are in. However, during a trip to the mountains, for example, it can easily happen to find ourselves lost and without a compass at hand. In the technological world we live in, this wouldn't even be a problem if we could rely on the use of our mobiles, GPSs to get us out of the situation. The only problem is that in the most remote areas, mobile operators rarely provide coverage. Therefore, relying on technology is not always the best solution. On the other hand, the phone's battery can easily drain out and you might just find yourself in the middle of nowhere, having to use the traditional methods to survive. Hey, I have, um, before I go any further, I do have an app on my phone uh, that has a really good compass 
but it, it, it doesn't have to connect to the internet or anything like that. Um, I'm going to try to find, yeah, here it is right here. But uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a nice one. I can't remember what the name of it is. I mean, of course, if you're connected to the internet and you have, it's called Smart Compass by Smart Tools. Uh, I have an Android phone. Of course, if you are connected to the internet, I mean, there, it's going to give you longitude and latitude and all that kind of stuff. But if you're not, it still works. All right, so um, continuing on. Um, you know what? I'm going to turn off my dad. I just want to make sure before I tell you that, I want to make sure that that's going to work. So let me turn off my data really quick. Okay, so yeah, with data, um, with data and wireless and everything turned off, it still works. And um, there some functions that I totally forgot about it. There, there's like the telescopic one, so it'll turn your camera on, and so you can put it over a map if you want to uh, to do that. Um, it's got a, you know like a digital mode if you want to do that. Um, uh, standard mode, night mode. It'll take you to Google Maps if you're if you're online. Uh, so you know it, it's a pretty neat little thing. So um, I'll try to link to again Smart Tools, Smart Compass by Smart Tools. Anyway, so uh, you know it's helpful to have one of those. But nevertheless, the article is mentioning that eventually your phone's going to die and all those kinds of things. So yeah, you can't completely count on those. But that might be uh, an app that you might want to have. For this reason, it is essential to learn how to use the cardinal points for guidance. And it is even more important to learn how to find north and south without a compass. Fortunately, a simple analog watch can help you find true north or south as a matter of fact in just a few moments. Thanks to this convenient and efficient method, you will be able to find your direction without hassle. Therefore, this certainty certainly is an important survival skill you should know. How to use an analog watch as a compass in the northern hemisphere. There are two methods you can use to determine the cardinal points and the direction. Pick your favorite and learn it before heading on your next adventure. And just as a note, if you don't have an analog watch, you can still use a digital, digital watch as a compass by simply estimating the position of the hour hand and markings on the dial. Both methods require an analog watch basic mathematics knowledge, and the, and the determination of the position of the sun. The first method. Read the time in the standard military time, 24 hours format. Divide by two the hours marked by your watch. For example, if the time is 8 o'clock in the morning, you get number 4. If it's 8 in the evening, the hour that corresponds to 20 in the standard military time, you get 10. Draw an imaginary line corresponding to the hour you got from the previous calculation, just like an imaginary hand of the watch is indicating that hour. For instance, 4 or 10 o'clock, according to our example. Holding the watch in the palm of your hand and parallel to the ground, point the imaginary line in the direction of the sun to the point of the horizon where the sun projects its light vertically. With the watch in this position, the 12 o'clock marking of your watch will point north. Therefore, 6 will correspond to the south, while 3 and 9 will correspond to the east and respectively west. The second method. This method is probably the simplest to remember and easiest to use, but you will have to remember to subtract an hour during the daylight saving time if you want to make an accurate determination. Read the current time, remembering to subtract one hour during daylight saving time period. Hold the watch in the palm of your hand horizontally and parallel to the ground. Point the hour hand to the point of the horizon where the sun 
projects its light vertically. If you are unsure where this point is, place a straight stick above the center of the watch to create a shadow and align the hour hand to the shadow pointing towards the sun. Bisect the angle between 12 o'clock and the hour hand. The imaginary bisector line will point towards south. Therefore, north is the opposite direction. The angle between the hour hand and the 12 o'clock should be measured clockwise before noon and counterclockwise in the afternoon. Of course, if you are in the southern hemisphere, you will have to adopt a different approach. How to use an analog watch as a compass in the southern hemisphere. The sun has a different orientation in the two hemispheres and for this reason, you will not be able to use the same method everywhere in the world. But don't worry, there is only one essential difference you will have to take into account. The difference is in the southern hemisphere you will have to use the 12 o'clock marking to point in the direction of the sun instead of the hour hand. Therefore, point the 12 o'clock hour marking towards the sun. If you have problems in finding the exact position of the sun, you can use the same trick of the shadow described previously. Just as if, just as if you were in the northern hemisphere, bisect the angle between 12 o'clock and the hour hand. This imaginary line indicates north. Therefore, the opposite direction indicates south. This method also requires you to subtract an hour when your watch is set to the daylight savings time period. And in this case, you can use the 1 o'clock marking instead of 12 o'clock. How to determine in which hemisphere you are in. It might seem odd having to determine the hemisphere you're in, but in some cases, it is, it is impossible to know the geographic location in which one is lost. The simplest way to determine the hemisphere is with a map. Nevertheless, the, in extreme survival situations, for instance, if your boat is lost in the middle of the ocean, a map is not always useful. The easy way to determine the hemisphere is by trying to find the North Star, officially named Polaris on the sky. To find Polaris, the first step is to find Ursa Major constellation. This constellation is one of the most popular and it is mo more commonly known as, under the name the Big Dipper. Once you've found it, Draw an Once you find it, draw an imaginary line between the two front stars of the constellation and continue it upward to the next bright star. This star is Polaris. To check if you found the, the right star, remember that Polaris is part of the Ursa Minor or Little Dipper and it is the last of the three stars that form the tail or handle of the constellation. Ursa Minor and subsequently Polaris are visible in the Northern, northern Hemisphere all year long, but they are not visible from the southern hemisphere. Therefore, if you can find Polaris, you are in the northern hemisphere. The other thing about Polaris is that all the other stars will look like it's rotating around it. Uh, so if you kind of can fix yourself on or fix your gaze on one constellation and then you know look, look up in the sky a little bit later on, you'll notice that it, it's, it's rotating around it. All right, uh, continuing on. As a consequence, you are in the southern hemisphere if you are unable to see Ursa Minor, the, the Ursa Minor constellation. In fact, you will probably not be able to see Ursa Major either as it is only partially visible. Nevertheless, if you are looking for a confirmation, you can try to find the Southern Cross constellation instead. Pre present on the flags of New Zealand and Australia, hey, shout out to my Australia friends, uh, this constellation indicates the southern celestial pole and it is visible in the southern hemisphere all year round. However, unlike Ursa Minor and the Southern Cross, I'm sorry, unlike, unlike Ursa Minor, the Southern Cross 
is also visible from the northern hemisphere for a few months a year. Therefore, always try to find Polaris first and use the Southern Cross constellation only as a confirmation. How accurate is this method? Although using an analog watch as a compass will give you a good understanding of the directions, the method is not entirely accurate. The reason, the reason is simple. The day is made of 24 hours time in which the sun moves on the horizon. However, the dial of the watch has only 12 hour marks instead of 24. Therefore, the hour hand must make two full quadrant turns in the time in which the sun completes an entire circle. This causes the alteration of the measurement when the cosmic horizon and cosmic equator are not the same. The equator and the horizon only coincide at the poles of the earth. Therefore, it is easy to understand that in all the other points the directions indicate by your watch will be slightly different than the real north or south. Correcting this error is possible, but it is rather complicated, and in most of the cases, especially when you're struggling to arrive at a source of water, it's just not worth it. If you really want to try to find the real north, you will need to know the co-latitude of the place where you are. In the northern hemisphere, after finding north as described in the second method, turn the watch so that the 12 o'clock mark is pointing towards it. Draw a virtual line between the hour 3 and 9 and use this line to lower the 12 o'clock mark to the co-latitude of the, of the place. Now rotate the 3 to 9 line on a horizontal plane, pointing it in the direction of the sun. The 12 o'clock mark will now point towards the real geographic north. In the southern hemisphere, the method is the same, but remember to use the hour hand as the indicator instead of 12 o'clock marking. Whether you wish to correct the orient orienting error or not, remember that n knowing how to use an analog watch as a compass can certainly save your life. I'm getting tongue twisted there. Um, so I think this is a great skill to, to, like I said at the beginning, I think it's a great skill to know. If anything, uh, you know, if you never have to use it, you can still impress friends by saying, hey, I bet you I can find, you know, the north or, you know, whatever, uh, by, by using the situation uh, or this, this skill. Uh, I, I'm always going to say that if you're going out and you think you're going to be anywhere outside, you're going to be in the forest, even like, hey, we're just going to take a little day hike or, hey, we're just going to go see what's up this trail. You should always have some kind of materials with you. If it's a, even if it's an EDC, you know, Altoids 10, small survival, you know, stuff in there. You just throw that in your pocket. You should always have something with you uh, when you're when you're thinking about going out there. And so that will help to, uh, you know, to make sure that you have proper uh, a proper compass to find find your way around. But nevertheless. I think it's a good skill to to learn. It has been a while since I've uh, for a while. I guess a few years ago, I was seeing a lot of these articles. I haven't seen one of these in a while, so it's good to uh, because there's always new people coming into preparedness. It's always good to uh, revisit some of these older ones. So hopefully, uh, if you didn't know about this, uh, hopefully you can come check this out at thepreppersjournal.com. And, uh, and, you know, go through it a little slowly so that you make sure you have that skill. All right, our last article, um, because it's Friday, I normally go into the archives and I pull something from the archives. Um, I did pull something from SHTF School. And again, um, we recently read an article uh, from SHTF School uh, by Selko. Uh, Selko was uh, this, he was a survivor of the Bosnian War. You know, he was surrounded in Sarajevo, Sarajevo and had to deal with a lot of uh, 
just, I mean, real survival situations. And so um, a lot of the times he's talking from his memory and, uh, you know, sharing things that were out there because a lot of people want to know, hey, what was it really like, you know, in an SHTF scenario? And so that's where he talks from a lot of the times. That's where he's coming from. And so um, I think there's some... Uh, you know, reading reading Selko and reading people like uh, Fernando Aguirre's book. Uh, you know, I, and he's over at the Modern Survival. He's doing more YouTube videos than articles. Uh, but uh, I, I think it's important to read you know firsthand accounts of what's going on. I really think it's important to be looking at what's going on in Venezuela right now, and uh, even Brazil. Uh, Brazil is not at the point where Venezuela is, but uh, there is you know people are starting to. Uh, People aren't staying as calm anymore. They're they're feeling the effects of it, right? And uh, so they're starting to uh, get a little bit upset, and they're they're um, they're rallying against uh, the government. So, um, and we need to find a source for people in Venezuela to just kind of tell what's going on. I know uh, Daisy Luther over at the Organic Prepper uh, has done a few articles there, but uh, something definitely that we should probably uh, be looking out for. Um, so this article, I'm going to read it like he, uh, if you've ever heard him, I think he, he was on a survival podcast years ago with Jack Spirico. It was a very, very bad connection, very broken, uh, broken English. I think he's done some videos as well. So I'm going to read it just in the way that it's written. I'm not going to correct anything. Sometimes I'm correcting things as I'm reading. Uh, I'm not going to do that, but, uh, just kind of see where he's coming from and, uh, see where, you know, kind of. Kind of maybe put yourself in in uh, his position when he's talking about uh, the cost of violence. So let's go ahead and read this one. I have been in war with a lot of people. I mean, I spent a lot of hard time with folks who, in that time, I could call friends or at least some kind of ally. After that, I lost contact with most of them. Sometimes I heard something about someone or see some of them, but real buddy contact with people from that time and events is rare. People who have not gone through experience like war probably imagine that there is something like annual meetings of old buddies who used to shoot together and kill other folk, and on the meetings there is huge barbecue and drinks. And on that meetings we all like to laugh and remember how hard it was, and we all look lucky that we are alive. Actually, I was on some similar meetings, but it was everything but fun, so I stopped with that. People there mostly look at each other and we all see how destroyed we are. I have met many broken people there and the question, it has, life is, has life screwed us or are we screwed up in life? And at the end, we all drink but without music. We just look in the fire from barbecue, angry because of some triviality and asking why we are here. Actually, we do not have a common topic to talk after we spend time talking about all topics like weather or bad situation in country, we know that sooner or later some of us will start with that. Do you remember how S got killed or that famous man, we are lucky to be alive. But in reality, we all know how S got killed. Nobody needs to ask, do you remember? Most of us think about how S or M or L or whoever got killed every night at home because many of us do not have families. Most of us are unable to have normal lives with someone close to you anymore. And when we come home later, we drink alone because people like us drink alone in the most of the cases. Without false modesty, those of us who make made it our best of the best from that time. Real survivors, we survived everything because stupidity got punished very hard back then, usually with death. 
it still has burned much out of us. People without purpose and aim. One of us work at a parking lot. It is a job that barely can keep him alive with minimum money for food only. No wife, no kids, no real friends, no possessions except maybe weapons hidden somewhere because you never know. He was a lion once, man without fear for his life and without respect for enemy's life. I asked him once how he feels when he is charging for parking tickets to the guy who is 25, drives brand new BMW with a couple of pretty drugged girls who earn that by being crooked politician and who looks at him like he is not even human or worse, like he is invisible, like there is a ghost who charges for tickets. He said, oh man, I try not to look at, look, it is life and I am too old anyway to care. He is 45. I think one day he will jump from 16th floor or simply dig out his favorite TT gun and blow his brains out. One other guy is unemployed, officially unemployed, but he works whatever needs to be done. To say it shortly, when someone needs to scare someone or harm someone, he is the guy for that. He keeps telling me one story. Actually, it is his dream or wish more than a real story. He said, man, I am dreaming and wishing that one more... This is a quote, sorry. Man, I am dreaming and wishing that one morning I wake up and there is a decision inside of me. One of the old feelings that I carried through the war. You know what, what, you know what would I do? I would go to my place with my stuff, take two pistols and rifle and as much ammo as I could take. I would put on my old combat vest, lucky boots, put on my armbands that we used for recognitions. You know, the government local building. I would go there, enter through the steel door. There are two security guys. I would use pistol on them. Two shots in the head for each of them. Guys are young and inexperienced, full of steroids and stories from the gym. Big chest and arms, but small brains and balls. After that, I am wishing that I could somehow weld that steel door with me inside, of course, so no soul can go out. Me neither, but maybe I just somehow block it or use explosive there. You know, the put steel bars to the windows, those crooked bastards to feel more safe. I would have them there where I want. And then I would take off my rifle from the shoulder and go slowly from the one office room to another. Everyone, every, everyone, every last greedy bleep. And there's just the, the symbols, you know, that somebody puts you usually for a, a, a cuss word. Uh, everyone, every last greedy bleep of them would go down. On some of the most important faces there, I would use my knife. You know, faces that like to be on TV, like to take shots and interviews after doing some charities, or visiting schools and hugging the kids because good grades in front of the cameras, faces who earn their first million by selling baby food in war mixed with plaster, or taking someone's wife for two pieces of canned meat. I would likely go slowly with them, piece by piece. I think I would be pretty much done before special police squad would come to the place. Remember, I was pretty quickly done with some of the buildings we took during war. After that, I do not care what would happen. I think I would blow my brains out, or maybe I would take a few police guys with me too. They are young and full of movie ideas. Dirty games are something that is strange for them. It would not be a problem. End quote. Every time we end up by laughing about his dream, he is saying all of this like joke anyway, more or less. But sometimes, I guess, when he is feeling down too much, or when he sees who is in charge today, ruling over us, or simply when memories got to him too much, I see something in his eyes, and that is no joke. For all this that I wrote here, people have name. They label it with words, PTSD. But real point is that once violence enters your life, 
once it becomes part of you, you belong to that violence. To the rest of the, to rest of the life. In the famous U.S. series, Dexter, he calls this his dark passenger. And this dark side will stay with you. Nothing romantic about it. And every time when I see on TV or whenever some anniversaries of military events and when I see those guys under the banners and old flags, no matter what country and what war, they have same expression on their face. They handshake with politicians, take pictures with them, kids take photos with them, they call them heroes and liberators, and what else? It might be truth, but means nothing probably to them. But when politicians go away with their limousines and security, and when newspaper guys and TV crews leave with their stories, those guys stay alone with their thoughts and memories until next year when they get another pat on the back. Two main lessons here. First is that violence, like it is glorified in action movies, games, and sometimes media, should not be taken easy. If you might look at your weapons at home, you see them at, as that and pictures of shooting comes up in your mind. If people who fought do this pictures of bullet impacts on human bodies come up. The smell of people dying, the sound of last breath, the mess someone leaves behind. Every time you use violence, the dark passenger in you grows and it will not leave. It is part of you. So if SHTF and this website and everything else is long gone, maybe you remember this and tell yourself and people around you that all this comes with a cost. Second lesson. Here is that you should think about time after collapse. I have friends in U.S. Army, and I know some of the veteran services are bad, but at least they are there. I read in history books that soldiers in earlier wars had less PTSD because they traveled together for longer times from area of conflict. If you lead a group of survivors during SHTF, think about giving them rest. Think about sort of debriefing time. Please share your experience with traumatic events and how to deal with them in comments below. So, uh, like I said, this was written uh, in 2014. So there's there's 34 comments here. Uh, yeah, written November 29th, 2014. So, um, you know, people come in and chime in, and uh, you know, have some long comments there. You can go check those out. Um, a lot of information here to uh, to consider, um, knowing that there are people out there that um, you know are, are are struggling coming back from a war and and that they could snap and do some bad stuff right they have some experiences uh that uh, are not common to anybody else no one else knows you know what what they've gone through and uh the way that our veterans uh, are are treated here you know really sucks uh and so uh, they don't get treated with respect and don't get treated you know uh, the way they should be uh with honor and then taken care of if they need help uh, and so that's you know that that's a big thing there. But then he talks about the the SHTF part of it. You know, if if that winds up happening, you need to know. Uh, you know, if you take a group through that, you know, you need to make sure that you're spending time together and and building that uh, camaraderie together, um, and making sure you know that uh, you are you you would be that family or that band of brothers or whatever it would be. Uh, that that winds up surviving. Uh, you, you just can't do it on your own. But uh, good points here, uh, things to think about, and uh, know that it's not going to be like the movies. It's not going to be like a like a, a game. Um, it, it's going to be bad, and there's going to be some memories that run through your your mind, uh, even the best and the strongest. Right. That's why it's so, for me it's so important to have uh, have a faith. 
uh, a faith in God. I mean, I know that there's going to be times where I might have to, def- you know, defend my family, and and that's my, you know, I'm supposed to do that. God has, God has put me as uh, the protector of my family to to protect my family, you know, to, to do that. And so if if you know, I have to use violence at some point. Um, I understand that, but knowing that I, I do have a faith, I'm just not doing it just uh, for the fun of it or anything like that. Um, I would I would find comfort in my relationship with the Lord, and so that's uh, that would be important to me. And so hopefully, hopefully uh, Selko and his friends could find that comfort as well. Uh, I think that's important. All right, guys, that's it for this week. Uh, another week down in the books of uh, the Prepper Website podcast. Uh, thanks so much for being a part of it. If you get a chance, if you would share out our episode. Uh, you know, on social media, or come to the website and leave a comment for me, or hit me up again, on my social media channels. We make it really easy for you on the website to uh, to hit everything. Uh, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, even Pinterest if you want to go there. Um, also, if you if you haven't come join the Facebook group. Um, you know, it's it's. Um, I, I don't want to call it a safe place because of just how that's gotten so much of a negative connotation to it. But I do want to make it, you know, there's some people that have gotten on there and they're like, they start promoting products. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm deleting that. Uh, we just wanted to pay a place for preparedness and self-reliance and to talk and ask questions and stuff like that. Uh, I really don't, you know, I'm not looking for people to be rude or, you know, real you know, joking and, and sarcastic every once in a while is okay, but I, I've been on some some groups and forums and stuff where just people are just rude, right? And it's like you never want to ask anything because you know you know that you're going to get maybe one person answer you know well, and then you're going to get five or six other uh, smart aleck remarks, you know. And and you know, there's experts. You know, everybody's an expert out there. Everybody was in the military. Everybody was special forces. Everybody knows everything about everything. Uh, you. You know, and so uh, I just, I just, that's not what I'm looking for. So I, I rather it keep it small and make sure that it is something that we can, we can truly benefit from, even if we're not posting every day. Uh, instead of you know may, having a bunch of people there and uh, you know having having chaos. You know, if you want that, there's other places you can go for that. So uh, anyway, you can come do that. And if you haven't joined the email list, uh, come do that because the minute you do that. You get enrolled in the free e-course, A More Self-Reliant Life. And uh, so that, that'll start coming out to you once a week. Uh, just an email, uh, email e-course that you can, uh, you can get. And I, I, did put a, I did put effort into it, you know. I, I, talked to, I haven't said this in a while, though, but uh, I signed up for some e-courses that when you got the email, it was like one paragraph, you know. Uh, I wanted to put a little bit more meat into it. I'm not charging anything for it i'm not at the end of it i'm not asking you for a bunch of money or anything like that it's just free for being part of the list and, and joining it and uh, doing that so if you haven't done that uh, come check that out all right so i hope you get uh, some some rest this weekend i hope you get to do what you need to do uh, maybe get some dirt time out there and uh, maybe build some skills with that choose to live a more self-reliant life choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.